we're so glad to be back. How many of you guys found yourself about halfway through Christmas break just bored out of your mind? Anybody? Like, it always happens, like, we get excited for break, we get excited for, like, Christmas break or, or summer break, and, like, we get in a couple weeks in, and we're like, man, school's not half bad. <laughs> like, I, I don't mind being around my friends and seeing people. Um, but we, hopefully you guys had a relaxing break. I know my family and I, we had a really good Christmas break. Um, it's been a chaotic couple of months, and it was good just to be able to spend time with family and just really just reflect and, and all that, the good that God has done. Um, and so thank you uh, for being back with us, and we're going to keep rolling uh, for the next couple months until summertime when things switch up a little bit, um, and we'll talk a little bit about some ministry opportunities that we have for you guys coming up uh, in the month that before we leave tonight. We'll bring you guys up to speed on some things. Uh, but before we do that, I want to kick off this new series. Uh, it is a series called Open-Handed, Living a Generous Lifestyle. How many of you guys know somebody in your life that's like generous? Anybody like, and I'm talking like over the top generous, not like the person that like shares a piece of gum with you, um, but the person that like gives above and beyond and like is just willing to, to bless you, willing to give to you out of what they have and sometimes even like what they need, they give it to somebody else, right? The, the, the generosity that we're talking about over this series, hopefully you guys will get a grasp of it, is it's not normal. Like it's okay to be a generous person and like, in, in society, it's, it's seen to be, like, generous and, like, you're willing to share. Like, they always tell kids in kindergarten, like, sharing is caring. <laughs> you know, like, but, like, be, we're going beyond that. We want to be known as a generous people. We want to be people that are, are seen for representing Jesus, representing Christ in the way that we give, in the way that we, we donate, the way that we, we serve, the way that we, we sacrifice generosity is such an important thing. So before we get into the, the, the meat and potatoes of today's lesson, we got to lay some like vocabulary words down, right? So let's talk about what generosity is first. Uh, generosity. Generosity is showing a readiness to give more of something than is necessary or expected, right? To be generous is to give more and be ready to give more than what is necessary or expected. So to be considered a generous person, it's not just doing the bare minimum, but going above and beyond. The next slide tells us a little bit more, too. It says this, you know, what does it mean to be generous? Like, so if generosity is to give more above and beyond what's necessary, it would be this, be ready to give my time, talent, and treasure to God and other people for God's glory. So in the context of our series this week, or this month, is we're talking about this idea of being ready to give my time, my talent, and my treasure for God's glory. You're going to hear us come back to those three terms throughout this entire series. Time, talent, and treasure. Time is something that every single one of us has. And it's the same amount, right? Nobody has more minutes in a day than anyone else. 24 hours a day, like everybody has the same amount of time. But we fill it up how we choose. So what are you doing with your time? How are you using your time? How are you using your talents, the things that God has blessed you with, the abilities that he's given you, the giftings that he's given you? How are you using those for his glory? Are you using them for his glory? And then your treasure. 
your treasure, the things that God has allowed you to accumulate, the things that he's allowed you to have. This could be your money. This could be your possessions. This could be your, your uh, anything. I mean, there's so many things that can go through. But, like, what are you holding on to? How are you serving God? How are you being generous with your time, your talent, and most importantly, your treasure for God's glory? So throughout this series, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this. We're going to unpack this. But I want to quick tell you a little story about one of the most generous people I have ever met in my entire life. And his name, I wish, I wish Wes was here because he would be able to back me up on this because it's a guy that we know from Alaska. My wife can confirm this. But this is a guy by the name of Uncle Mike. And my wife, she didn't know I was going to talk about Uncle Mike. Gavin, you remember Uncle Mike, right? You remember Uncle Mike? You remember Uncle Mike, Tristan? No? All right, whatever. All right, but anyway, Uncle Mike was a guy in our church. Um, when I first got there, he was serving in student ministry. And um, the most unassuming guy you'd ever met, he was balding probably by the age of like 25. He was about this tall. Um, and, but like muscle guy, like he worked out all the time. He was in shape. He was an Alaskan's Alaskan. Like he'd go out hunting and fishing and hiking and four-wheeling and like just lived the dream up there, right? He's doing all these things. But Uncle Mike was, was one of the most generous people I have ever come in touch with in my entire life. But here's the thing. Uncle Mike was unemployed. At least that's what he would tell you. You see, here's the thing. Here's the story of Mike. Mike, at a very early age, started his own business. At a very early age, he bought a car lot. And he sold cars, very high-end cars. Like, he sold very nice cars for a couple years. Made lots of money. And then at one point, he said, you know what? I'm tired of working. The value on this, on this lot is, is a lot, and I can sell it and never work a day again in my life. And he did that. He sold his car lot. And he made millions. And I mean millions in that moment. But here's the thing. Mike didn't just, like, take all his money and run off and buy, like, a private island and live the dream over there. No. Mike was smart. Mike put it away, invested it, let money make money. You know what I'm talking about? Like, just, like, kind of invested it, like, did the smart thing. And then Mike, being one of the most generous people I had ever seen, went on to scholarship students at a private Christian school that couldn't afford it themselves. He would single-handedly fund missions trips for students that couldn't do it themselves. He would go out of his way to give. He'd find somebody in need, and he'd, he wouldn't ask any questions. He would just be like, here you go. Mike was humble. He, he, he didn't want people to know that he had all that money. He was very quiet about it. One trip, I, I went on a missions trip with Mike one time to Mexico, um, and we were in Huachuchil, Mexico, right? We're in like the middle of nowhere, um, and we're walking around, and we are doing outreach ministries to these villages in the middle of Mexico, right? Like very impoverished areas, like kids are playing soccer ball with, a, like playing soccer with rocks. Like it, it's one of those type scenarios, right? And, and, and we're here, and we're, we're talking to these people, and the pastor from that area, again, not a very wealthy area. The pastor himself didn't really have a whole lot. We were there supporting him, helping him. And, and he comes up and introduces himself to Mike and I. And we're standing there. We're kind of the two leaders on the trip. And, and he's asking. He knew I was the pastor. And so then he went to Mike. He goes, what do you do uh, for a living? Like, that's a, a very common question when you meet an adult. Hey, what do you do for, for a living? What do you, what's your job? 
And Mike looks at him very stale face and goes, well, I'm unemployed right now. And the pastor got this like super sorrowful face on, on. He's like, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like, man, I'm sure things will turn around for you real quick. And like Mike didn't say a word, right? And, and he walks away and I said, Mike, you, what in the world? Like you just, he goes, listen, man, if he wants to feel like I'm unemployed, it's not, he doesn't need to know. But here's what Mike did. Later that day, he found out that their church needed a new foundation. And it was going to cost X amount of money to pour this new foundation for this church in the middle of nowhere, Mexico. And Mike just took out his wallet and paid cash for that new foundation and didn't tell a single person. I saw him do it. That's the only reason I know. So here's the thing. I want to be known as a person who's willing to give, who's willing to be open-handed. We, we call this series open-handed for a reason. Because so often we get a hold of things in our lives, we get a hold of possessions, we get a hold of our time, and we think it's ours, and we have this death grip. We don't want to give it away. We don't want to give away our plans. We don't want to give up our things. We don't want to give up the things that we've worked so hard for because God tells us to. So over this series, my hope and my prayer is, and I'm preaching to myself here too, guys, is that we'll soften our hearts. We'll loosen that grip. And we'll truly be open-handed with our time, our talent, and our treasure. So tonight, I want to start this series looking at a very familiar Bible story. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this story. Even if you've never been in church, you've probably heard this story referenced because it's a very popular Old Testament story. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Genesis. That's where we're going to be all day today. Uh, we're going to get into it. But we're looking at the idea of sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. This series, as we get started into it, we need to learn what it means to be willing to give up stuff. Be willing to let go. Be willing to, to release things to others for God's glory. And sometimes that takes let go, letting go of things that might hurt a little bit. Things that are personal. To give sacrificially, to give to the point where it hurts a little. Or maybe it impacts you. Give, giving sacrificially should be a mark of your Christian walk. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you claim Christianity, you should be known as a sacrificial giver. Giving out of what you have to help others, to lead others, to guide others, to direct others. So if you open your Bibles today to the book of Genesis, we're going to spend most of our time in chapter 22, but I want to kind of set this up. This is the story of Abraham. And Abraham, um, the story of Abraham gets, is, is spread out throughout the book of Genesis, mostly found through 15 and 22 and a little bit beyond that. But I want to focus in on 22, but i got to give you the background story why 22 was such a crazy thing and how the sacrificial giving that's represented in chapter 22, why it was so sacrificial. See, here's the thing. Abraham was an old man. At this point, his no, if you look in your Bible in, in, in chapter 15, it, it says Abram, and there's a name change that takes place as part of a promise from God. We don't have time to get into that tonight and really get into the weeds of that, but just know that it's the same person. When it says Abram and Abraham, as you're going through it, we're talking about the same person and his wife, her name changes, and all these things. But all the same people. But here's the thing you need to understand. In chapter 15, um, God makes a covenant with Abram. 
He makes a covenant with him about how his, his descendants are, are going to be great and many. But he doesn't have any kids. That's the problem. Like, he's older and he doesn't have any kids. And he goes, uh, God, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I don't have a single child. How, is my, how are my descendants going to be so great? But God makes a promise. He makes a promise in chapter 15. And if you go on in, in chapter 17, God makes another covenant with him and says that there's going to be the multitude of nations are going to come from you. But at this point, Abraham is 99 years old. Anybody have a grandparent or great-grandparent that's pushing 99 to 100? They ain't pushing out babies. All right? He's like, even back then, it was old. Like, it, it wasn't normal for, for babies to happen at that age. It just, it, it, the, it's not a normal task that's taking place at 99 years old. But God continues with his promise and says, hey, I'm promising you a child. And this is where he changes their name. And in chapter 18, he promises it again and again. And in, ver in chapter 21, again, we don't have time to go through this. I encourage you to read it on your own. Read the story because it's, it's a compelling story. But in chapter 21, God follows through on his promise. And he gives Abraham a son. A son through his wife, Sarah. They name him Isaac. And here is where we pick up the story. Because at this point, Abraham had all that he ever wanted. He had a son through his wife. His namesake. His first son through his wife. He had another son earlier through a house, you know, servant. But get into the weeds when you read it yourself. But this is the one that God promised. This is the one that he was going to use to fulfill the covenant that he had made with, with Abraham. Abraham had it all. He was confident that God had finally come through on his end of the deal. Even though he was an old man. Even though... The science stacked up against him. And that's where we pick up our story. In chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, we're going to read a good chunk of it together. But I need you to understand what's happening here. In verse number 1 of Genesis 22, it says this. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and, you, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What? Like, first off, I need you to understand, like, before you get confused about what God is doing here, please know that God never intended Abraham to kill Isaac. It's very important. The author clears this up very clearly in the first verse here. He says, in this moment, God tested Abraham. Don't, don't be thinking like, why is God telling Abraham to kill his own son? Like, he never intended on it to actually happen. This was simply testing the faith of Abraham and testing whether or not he truly appreciated what God had given him. Go. Go to this place that I tell you. And offer your one and only son, Isaac, as a living sacrifice. At this part of the story, the Lord commands. The Lord comes up and, say, and, and gives the instructions to Abraham. Hey, Abraham, I know you just got this son and, like, you're just kind of getting to know him still. He's at the age now where he can help you out on the, on the land. And, like, you're just now realizing the power, how cool it is to have a son. But um, I need you to kill him. 
I need you to offer him up as a burnt offering on a mountain in which I'll tell you. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't know how I would respond in that situation. I've got three kids. And, like, if God were to ever say, like, hey, I need you to take one of your kids and tie him up, lay him on an altar, spill their blood on the altar and set it on fire. I don't know that I could do it. But here's the thing. Abraham responds. In the next verses it says this. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddles his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And it goes on and it says this. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took his hand Uh, And took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he said. Here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, catch this part, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together story goes on here and it says this in verse 9 maybe there it is <laughs> and when they came to the place of which God had told them Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood and then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son This is the part of the story where if you were watching this in like a, in a movie, like the strings would start playing like real intensified in the back. And like he's like slowly raising the knife up. He's probably sobbing and crying like, I don't want to do this. Snot bubbles coming out everywhere, right? He's just an emotional part of this moment. And he raises his knife. But here's the thing that you need to understand, guys. Listen, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of what God commanded him to do, here's the important part. Abraham obeyed. He didn't know why. Honestly, he didn't know how. But he obeyed. He obeyed the command. He trusted that God would provide. Uh, If you remember the conversation that he had with his son, when his son goes, hey, Dad, um, I don't know if you know this. We got the wood, we got the fire, but what are we sacrificing? (laughs) Like, where's the animal? And in that moment, Abraham says, in response, God will provide. In the essence of sacrificial giving, here's what I need you to understand. God will provide. You might not know why. You might not know how. God will provide. Abraham obeys. Verse 11. 
says this. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, remember, Abraham's got the knife raised. He's ready to slaughter his son. He's ready to obey the command that God has given him. And he says this, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son from your, own, your only son from me. The Lord provides. The Lord provides. In the midst uh, of, of everything, the Lord provides and Abraham responds. Here's the thing, like, not only does the Lord provide, not only does, does God, you know, follow through and say, hey, you passed the test, Abraham. But then it goes on. In verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. God knew what he was doing. Abraham responds appropriately. The Lord provides. Abraham worships. Abraham sees the ram and he offers a sacrifice to the God of the universe, the God that provided his son, followed through on the covenant, and followed through on his promise to provide. Sacrificial giving can get a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we don't understand completely what God is doing or how he's going to do it. God will provide. Verse 15 through 18, it says this. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn and declares... I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand that is in the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. When we're commanded and we obey and we worship and we sacrificially give, the Lord rewards. You see here in verse 15 through 19, all that is happening here is, is God is, is following through on his promises from earlier in the chapters. If you go through and read from 15 through 22, you'll see all of that mentioned. The fact that God's promises of his offspring being in places of authority and being rulers and being great people in our community and all around the world. Guys, listen, when we are obedient, when we give, when we sacrifice out of what we have, when we are generous people, the Lord rewards us. I'm a walking testament to this. 
I wish I could share story after story of how, like, in moments where I have to give of my time or give of my energy or give of, uh, of anything that God rewards. He's faithful. He will provide. I don't know if you know this, um, but youth pastors, especially when you're, like, coming straight out of college, not exactly known for being a high-paying job. Um, I will say, like, I... I cannot complain about how well we're, our family is provided for here, but like when I first started in ministry back in 2005, I was making peanuts. Like I was engaged to get married. We didn't have kids, thank God, because they're expensive. And like just trying to figure out like how, how are we going to make this work? Time after time, God provided. There hasn't been a single time in my life where I went to bed hungry because I didn't have. There's times I went to bed hungry because I was on a diet. But I've always had the option. I've never had to sleep outside unless I was camping. God has provided time after time after time after time. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal of, of living this generous lifestyle as, as strongly as I should, but man, I, I, I like to think I lean more towards the generous side of my life with my time, talent, and treasure. And God has rewarded that. So I ask this question, how can we live a generous life? How can we, as teenagers and adults in 2023, be set apart and live a generous lifestyle? Number one is this. Recognize all that you have is from God. Everything you own, guys, listen, everything you have, everything you have in your possession, you might think you have earned it, but God has allowed you to have it. Because guess what? Everything we see here, even though it might be manufactured somewhere, it was created with what God created. Every single thing belongs to him, and what you have in your life is because he has allowed you to have it. We need to learn to have a loose grip on things. We need to learn to, to realize that nothing is ours. Guys, listen, Isaac was from God. In Abraham's life, Isaac was from God, and Isaac was given to Abraham. But Abraham, even though he was Isaac's father, ultimately Isaac's was God's first. And Abraham had to be willing to let go. Realize that it's God's more so than it's ours. We need to have that loose grip on stuff. We need to be willing to give it all away. We need to be having those moments where we're, where we're walking up to the altar, tears in our eyes, not understanding what's happening, not understanding the why, not understanding the how, but be willing to lay it on the altar. Just like, I, I just can't imagine the emotion of Abraham in that moment carrying his son who's bound up and laying him on the altar and picking up the knife and having the fire ready in one hand, the knife in the other, and raising it up knowing that you're about to kill the one thing that you've ever wanted. You need to be willing to give it up. You need to be willing to lay it on the altar. And that might be different for some of us. Some of us, that might be money. Some of us, that might be popularity. Some of that might be relationships, friendships. 
What idol do you have in your life that you need to lay at the altar? What is it that you're putting in first place before God? Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's your social standing. Maybe it's your grades. Maybe it's like, man, if I'm not a straight-A student, I'm a failure. Don't believe that lie. What do you have to lay on the altar? What do you have to have a loose grip of and let go of? Want to live a generous life? Recognize that all you have is God's. Live with a loose grip on stuff. And then finally, ready? Give God the glory in it all. In the story of Abraham and Isaac, it goes in after the fact, after the angel intercedes and says, hey, don't lay a hand on him. Here's a ram. Kill him instead, right? Abraham worships. Gives all God the glory. But here's the thing. I don't want to seem like I'm adding to scripture or, or anything like that, but let's just play a little like choose your own adventure thing. Let's say it went another direction. Let's say Abraham actually sacrifices Isaac in that moment. He obeys. In that moment, when you're giving out of what God has given you, are you willing to worship in that moment as well? No matter the circumstances, are you willing to give it to God? Not at all in the same realm of Abraham and Isaac, but a lot of you guys know my story. Uh, when I was in high school, I was a football player. That was like what I eat, slept, and breath. Like, that was what I did. I was, I was, my mind, I was going to the NFL. I was going to play tight end. Like, I was going to be George Kittle before George Kittle. Like, that was me. Like, that was what I was going to do. And I blew out my knee my senior year. All that went away. Never played a snap of meaningful football again after that. And there's days where I, man, like, I, I played the what if game. Like, what if that injury never happened? What if? And it's in those moments of, of giving where I, where I realized that this was taken away from me. And I had to let go. I had to let go of football. I, I had to stop chasing that dream and start chasing God. And now, it took a couple years, but I'm able to worship God because of it. Because guys, listen, let's be honest. Let me, let me play this like little like chain reaction game. If I go on and play college football, I would have never met my wife. If I would have never met my wife, I would have never moved to Alaska. I never would have been a youth pastor for 14 years in a church in Alaska. I would never would have had my three kids I never would have, have moved here three years ago. I never would have met any one of you. And for that, I give God the glory. Because he knew better than I did. I wouldn't trade a second of it. Because God is in control. God is, is the one that controls it all. And we need to be willing to understand that. We need to give him the glory and all. Recognize that all that we have is because of God. Live with a loose grip on our stuff and give him the glory. We need, when we live generously, guys, the world will notice. Because like I said earlier in the day, it's not normal. When you're willing to sacrificially give, when you're willing to give out of what you have beyond what, you, what is needed, when you go above and beyond, guys, listen, the world 
will notice. So here is my challenge to each and every one of us. What do you need to sacrificially give out of? What do you need to lay on the altar? What have you put before God in your life? What is it that you need to bound up and lay on the altar and sacrifice and give? Because the moment we start to do that, guys, your circumstances start to change. It puts yourself in a position where you're open-handed and God can use you because you don't have that death grip. God's able to mold you. He's able to take you. He's able to use you for his glory. Your time, your talent, your treasure for his glory, not your own. Let's live generous lives. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have the band go ahead and start making their way up to the stage. And I want to have a moment of prayer before we respond and worship, and then we'll give you guys a few announcements before we send you out. But listen very carefully to me. I want to have a moment of prayer before we sing, before we worship. I want to give you guys an opportunity to physically respond to this. Because here's the thing. It's one thing to say it, say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go. Right? I'm, I'm, going to release, I'm, I'm going to release these things, but like in the, in the back of your mind, you know, I ain't letting go of nothing. I know better than God. So in a moment, I'm going to have us all stand. I'm going to pray. And here's what I want to challenge you. When we're praying, when our eyes are all closed, nobody's looking around, nobody's messing around, this is just a moment for us to have this conversation with God. If you're willing to live an open-handed life, if you want to take a shot at living a generous lifestyle, while I'm praying, here's what I want to see. I want to see a physical action tied in with an emotional response. With a spiritual decision comes a physical response. If that's you, if you know that you need to live a generous lifestyle, you want to take that step, you want to be marked by generosity, the same type of generosity that God had when he gave us Jesus Christ, if you want to be marked by that kind of generosity while we're praying, here's what I want to ask. Just right where you are, I want you to go from this position right here with fist gripping whatever it is that you're holding on to. Right? Whatever it is. You know what it is in your life. We all have different things. You grip in that. And then while we're praying, the physical act is just releasing turning your hands towards God and offering that thing to him as sacrifice. Now, it's not like a magical motion, like you do this and it's like, oh, what's going to happen? No, this is simply for you to have that physical response to a spiritual decision. So let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to respond and worship. So in this moment, all eyes closed, every head bowed. You're making that fist. You're holding on. God, each and every one of us 
has something in our lives that, that we need to give to you, that we need to sacrificially give to you. God, that we need to lay at the altar so that we can give it to you and you could take it and use it for your glory and your glory alone. Whether it be our time, our talent, our treasure, whatever it is, God, I pray right now that we give it to you. God, that we release that grip. We lay it at the altar. As we physically release our fists, and we turn our palms towards you, God. This is an act of, of worship to you. We offer these things to you. We give it to you right now, God. God, we want to live an open-handed life, a life of generosity, of sacrificial giving, of our time, our talent, and our treasure. God, we give you the rest of this night. God, we lay ourselves at the feet of Jesus as we sing and as we respond and worship in this moment. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.